0: Hey, come on. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you for tuning in in today's show. Um, I'm joined by Randall Sanders and Brian Fox. If you're a fan of the show, I ask you, please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals, 502-386-0978. Welcome to The Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by two returning guests um, and two of the inaugural significant figures in the <coughs> Kelly Patrick politics. What's the name of the group,
1: Brian? Uh, Kelly Patrick Show Political
0: Discussion, I believe. Kelly Patrick Show Political Discussion Facebook group, which we have like, you know, 50 members or something, which is fine. Mm It it, just started. Yeah, it just started. We're very, very excited about it, actually, because we are trying to get into some interesting conversations. Um, uh, Admittedly, the real lefty uh, uh, contingency of people in the group (laughs) is probably a minority, right, Randall?
1: But they're actually not. They're not too shy. I
0: mean,
2: to their
1: credit, say. They, they speak up. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I wasn't thinking there was going to be quite as many um, comments and posts. At, uh, probably less posts from the left side, but a lot of the comments end up being people that are seem to be more left of whatever was posted. What
0: What do you guys um, think of my fascination with trying to <laughs> – Trying to highlight that we want lefties in there. That's like the, thus far, that's like the whole mission of the group.
1: My personal opinion. Yeah. Um, and this isn't meant to be like a slant towards you, Randall, or anything in particular. Um, a lot of people left at the center, in my experience, um, I would say they're not very, the only way I can put it, they're not very evangelical in their views. Um, what I mean by that is they're not they're not on a mission to persuade; they're on a mission to affect change. If that if, if you under, if if that makes any sense, they're not looking to reason with people so much as they're looking to affect policy or affect you know societal change. They're looking to advance the mission. They're not necessarily working trying to appeal to people. My sense from a lot of people who are left of center is here's our message, you can either join us or you can get rolled by us. But we're not necessarily here to try to appeal to you. Because I often, in my, so I started probably interacting online probably in the early 2000s in the 20 years that I've been online. Um, Not very many people on the left are very much interested in appealing. Now they do like the debate. And I will, and I think, as me and Randall talked about, there's a difference between a debate and a conversation. They don't like to have oh, yeah. conversations. They li- they like a debate. They like to try to win, but they're not really interested in discussing. Very seldom are they interested in do that. At least online, in person, that, that changes a lot more.
2: Yeah, it is. It is tough because. Uh... At least from my my perspective, it's tough online because you do lose a lot of lose a lot of the the nuance and kind of what people um, really mean with certain things. And so it's like a lot of stuff now is very polarizing, and some stuff is very much t- not necessarily taken out of context, but it's always assumed whatever the worst connotation of whatever somebody said is how it's taken. And so, you know, you could say, I guess the most recent issue of the border, you know, you could be like, hey, we should not, we should significantly restrict the border. If you say that online, it's immediately conceived that you mean no immigration ever. You hate immigrants. It's only because you're scared of brown people coming into the country. But that's generally not what people mean. Like, yeah, there's obviously going to be some people that believe that. But if you talk to somebody in person and you're like, hey, I want to restrict the border and you go in what way, how, you find out their views are actually not quite as ridiculous as it would be portrayed online. And so I think you run into that a lot. Um, And kind of what you're saying, I I do uh, agree with um, kind of on somewhat on both sides, but uh, definitely as you get in the echo chamber um, and you're not really challenged on stuff, as soon as someone challenges you, a lot of people haven't, Thought enough into their, uh, like I guess they haven't done a deep dive into their beliefs on it. They're like, "Oh, that sounds good. This this makes sense to me." I was like, "Hey, it could be wrong," and they're like, "Fuck you," <laughs> you know. I,
1: I I will say, coming from the uh right of center point of view, and uh, this is just my very honest experience. I think people who are right of center tend to desire more engagement. Um, I just I don't necessarily think that it's a right or wrong thing so much as I think there's a certain amount of zeal on the part of the people who think that they're on the right of center that even on the libertarians well especially on the libertarian side you can't get libertarians not the you, know, you can't get them to shut up um, I think people who are right of center and the only way I can describe this as <clears throat> There's a certain amount of goodwill, I believe, that they want people to believe as they do. Is the only way I can describe it. And I think people who are left of center are naturally a little bit more autonomous, and they're a little less concerned about appealing or reasoning, a little bit more about this is the right way, either get on board or get out of the way. And I'm not trying to say that in the harsh sense, but I think that's the general perspective is, When you traditionally think of people who are left of center, they're not that sort of people who generally are the most, um, I'm going to reach out and try to appeal to you. They don't have that mindset. It's not necessarily that they're hostile. That's just not their focus. Can I ask a question?
0: Brian, do you think that maybe the Bernie Bros group in particular is a little bit more like that?
1: I have never encountered anything left of center to where they try to reasonably, rationally appeal to other people without quickly devolving into "fuck you, you butler." It's going to be a
0: well. Our goal, um,
1: our goal for
0: this is well, the this weekend. was
1: just to discuss. Well, this was just to discuss collectivism and you know okay. liberty, not necessarily just the, the chat. We're just speaking to the chat group.
0: Okay. Um, okay. I'm
1: just speaking to the nature of the chat group per per what you said and and what Randall said, the makeup of it, and I'm just saying I think there's definitely more lefties in the group than there are right wing right wing type or libertarian types. Do you think
0: there is that accurate? More lefties right now.
2: There's more, there's of them more engagement than me. engagement. Correct from them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it I'm pro- it's probably sense.
0: confusing some of the libertarians who joined the group <laughs> um i haven't really noticed too many yeah <laughs> yeah 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 but hmm we i, I don't mind i much mean much. i think it's a good idea to stim so that's really what prompted this episode brian is kind of like a, con- a general oh, conversation about what possible um ways we can oh, brian do you have a favorite lefty you, you don't mind Jimmy Dore? He's a lefty.
1: Popular lefty? Um, off the top of my head, no. Um, the only person I can think of that I would consider a left of center would be somebody like Tim Poole, if either of you are familiar with him. Um, somebody like T- uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Um, and honestly, the way the Overton window has moved so much, those people would probably be considered center-right. What about Glenn, Glenn, Gre-
0: Glenn Greenwald?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's still on the left,
0: but I I would say
1: that in terms of those types of people that I've mentioned, they're left of center, but the difference is they have a healthy disdain for authoritarianism. And I think that's what sets them apart from the rest of the left, which embraces the strong government approach. Whereas traditionally left of center is supposed to embrace some measure of personal autonomy and I think they have almost abandoned that within the last 10 years especially with since Trump has come along there's more of a backlash of top-down enforcement
2: that's mm, not not to get in the weeds of the uh, the, the people you've picked Tulsi's probably she's pretty heavily switched more to the right and her her window yeah, seemingly love for um modi and his authoritarian government i would say it kind of takes her out of the anti authoritarian um <clears throat> realm um since so she kind mm-hmm. of enjoy has backed the
1: hindu nationalist government under Modi. But. I mean we I mean we definitely can nitpick a lot of things. I guess my point my yeah. broader point is traditionally leftists have favored more freedom for the people. Yeah. And, and traditionally big government was a and I and I guess there are, there's a lot of different angles and and I apologize. We're probably putting the cart ahead of the horse here for a minute, but <laughs> The, the goal of this conversation was to discuss collectivism versus Liberty or a more free society. And the way that I will define those characteristics for the people listening is collectivism, generally speaking and collectivism is basically government, um, or at least larger government um, groups of people banding together or coming together to determine what is best for the whole. Placing a premium on the desires of the group as opposed to the individual. Whereas when it comes to a more free society or to liberty, difference is shown to the minority, to the individual. That's the starting basis. And then we're going to get into the what is what and how it works. But that's kind of the essence of what I would define as and it could be left or right you know you can have collectivism from a right-wing point of view and you can have collectivism from a left-wing point of view and it just it's about where do you want to place your focus do you want to place your focus on society as a whole dictating for everybody or do you want to place or do you want to have a shift towards the individual towards the minority in the sense of let them have as much freedom for themselves as possible That's how I would approach it from the most, from the most fundamental point of view.
2: No, that makes sense. Yeah, and I was going to say with the all the people you kind of picked, and you know, I could pick people on right, left, all that stuff. I think the Overton window has has shifted with certain things, like not necessarily. I wouldn't say necessarily as a whole, or you know, it could it could have shifted um, as a whole one way or the other, but I think individual topics or individual like policy issues or whatever have definitely shifted kind of both ways.
1: Yeah. Um, And we can, and we can go all night discussing. Right. So, and, and I think what I want us to avoid, I want us to avoid chasing the rabbit of politics. Yeah. In favor of approach to these, these two, I guess, different camps of approaches and how they would work so that people can better understand where we're coming from and less about politics as applied as
0: we have seen. Can can I ask, Randall, do you agree with the the context or do you agree with the initial statement? Uh, Because uh, uh, hearing Brian, as you said it, I think it was something along the lines of a collectivist-type society versus a more free society with individual liberties do you think that that is a i mean does that sound like two different sides to you randall
2: i Th- understand the like uh the definitions of them is, is like that's that's what we've kind of come to accept um so you, you know, do you do accept that on the left has few,
0: few fewer freedoms
1: i think i think to be more fair
0: i would say ready, so... no
2: but like, that's kind of how we've talked about them I, for so long.
0: That the last does have fewer freedoms.
1: Just to try to make Randall a little bit more comfortable, with this it might be a little bit unsettling to say more free. I would say deference to the individual or to the smaller group as opposed to the needs of the collective. The only way I'm trying to, I'm trying to straw, I'm trying to steel man this as much as possible. I'm not trying to assume. Leftists oh, don't care about freedom, and I'm not trying to presume. You know that whatever. I'm just, and I wasn't I'm trying, trying to
0: be critical. I just want you know. I just wanted yeah. to know going into it if that that you understood what I meant, Randall. And and it, you are kind of conceding that yeah, the current notion of the left is to a degree, a, you know, a little bit less freedom.
2: Well, because it depends on. Uh, I'm glad you you asked the question because I've definitely seen entire segments or entire discussions of a topic and you can tell both people weren't arguing under the same like pretense or like same <laughs> definitions and so it's like you aren't even arguing the same thing but you're still arguing so i'd like if it wasn't set up this way or whatever if i had questions i was gonna ask kind of beforehand as well um just to make sure we start basically at the
1: same same kind of point We definitely need to agree on terms before we can move forward, and that's what I was trying to establish.
2: Yeah, and the way we kind of discuss, because I know you have uh, generally accepted negative rights, positive rights, stuff like that. And so a lot of the freedoms right now, the, the discussion of freedom is kind of based around negative rights more than positive rights. From what I understand, I could... I could have said that backwards, but
1: you're you're, you're, on, you're on the my word track, and I'm doing this for both our benefit, for the sake of the discussion, as well as the people listening, so they get an right. idea of where we're coming from. When we I think of collectivists, when we're thinking of collectivism, we're thinking of the um, the paramount of importance placed upon the society as a whole, whereas in my, I guess individual liberty deference is given to the individual meaning we don't let you know the group as a whole determine for the individual what is best for them we try to give the individual as much say for their own life as possible those are the competing arguments here or at least those are going to be the competing narratives that we're going to discuss and i don't even mean competing in an antagonistic way again just for comparison's sake I think we'll find that um,
2: as I was kind of writing some stuff down and kind of just going over some things I kind of wanted to touch on or, you know, potentially cover, I think we'll find at least my idea of collectivism um, in general or, you know, my thoughts on it is there there are a lot of rights uh, or there's a lot of freedom given to the individuals. um, And a lot of it is specific areas of society or specific things where uh, my general idea is kind of uh, arm reduction for as many people as possible so if you know I guess ta- you know, taxes and wealth distribution is probably the easiest one to kind of understand like for most people I guess would be if you have somebody that has a billion dollars in order, if you took half of that and reduce poverty for 10 million people, I think it's a good trade-off. Like, yeah, you took half the do shit or half of his money, <laughs> but the dude still has a bunch. There's obviously lines of where you would draw that. And it's like, Helping so, 10 million yeah, people and still leaving that dude with 500 million dollars.
1: Yeah, I think that's start. I think we're starting to kind of go down a little bit of the rabbit holes there. Um, I think like it I doesn't have to that. be the policy
2: specifically. Right. but I was just
1: trying to think of where there's technically yeah, harm
2: it. where you stole the guy's stuff and yeah, gave it, it to a bunch of people.
1: I think you. I think if the best way to try to approach this would be from the macro level and then slowly work ourselves down. That way the people following along can get a better idea. And that way is while we discuss, it all falls in together. Because if we start going down rabbit holes, it'll be easy to get lost as to why someone is offering something as to why it's okay to tax or why it's okay to get more freedom. And You get lost in that if you don't start with the basics. So for me, I guess I will, I will start with the uh, the macro view of liberty. What is that all about? For me, the macro view of liberty, and I guess the most simple and effective way I can say is this: whether you have a government, and I'm honestly, for the sake of the argument, I'm going to say, I'm going to start with the idea that we can have liberty with a government. Before I go into the anarcho version within a limited government perspective i would argue that the purpose of a liberty-minded approach is that the needs and desires of some are not the same for others um what you would want in your life what you think would work best for you may not be best for me and the idea is so long as I am not infringing upon your rights, meaning I am not causing harm to you, I should be left alone to live my life the way that I see fit. And you should be left alone to live your life the way that you see fit. Meaning if you wish to have a certain lifestyle that I disagree with, that's fine as long as it's not affecting me directly in some way. And we can discuss degrees of harm later on, of course, because I'm, There's a lot of those semantics that come into that, but that's the essence of the philosophy. And um, with that, there's a lot of ways you can approach that. And I know that a lot of people are listening or going to be like, oh my gosh, but what about this? And what about that? Yes, we'll get to that. There's a billion more questions that will (laughs) come into that. Just be patient. We'll get there. And it may actually take two or three episodes to get there because, Honestly, oh, I'm not God. The, it can be talked about forever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, if we can at least establish a good baseline for what our philosophies are, what they mean and what they don't mean, the differences, and make a really clear understanding of that, I'll be happy if that's all we accomplish on this episode. And then maybe the next episode we can, you know, kind of, you know, progress from there. And then by and, episode
0: three, you guys can tell each other to fuck each ourselves. I mean, I already like this guy
1: more than you, anyway. So <laughs> I am mean, well,
0: um, a black
2: belt, so
1: okay. Yeah, well,
2: I got a little more uh, credence than than
1: Kelly. Okay. Fair. <laughs> so, yeah. So basically, the essence of a uh, of a liberty based society is one that gives maximum deference to the individual, who, with respect to personal rights, property. Uh, live and let live, it's the idea that, you know, you live your life the way you see fit. I'll live my life the way that I seek and I'm not and, and a lot of it, to go a little bit deeper, is based on the essence of the non aggression principle, which means I will not initiate on it, force upon anyone else. Meaning, I will not physically harm you. I will not, so words don't count as, as force uh taking your parking spot don't count as force um property rights and personal direct harm count as force meaning if you break into my home if you vandalize right. something that i own that's a property violation if you physically hurt me that's a violation that's an initiation of force. if you merely call me names if you call uh, <laughs> my employer and say that I'm an asshole and what I did to you and who fires me, that's not actually an act of force because that and your employer made a decision for themselves. And I'm only using that as a quick example to try to, you know, a lot of people are going to have trouble with that. And I believe me, I probably wrestled with it for at least a year as to understand what is force because everyone's going to have a slightly different definition. And I will say in the spirit of transparency, there's not a single unified understanding of what constitutes force. The idea is the spirit of leaving people alone. And I will go so far as to say that in the ideal libertarian society, there will be different communities with different standards of how they wish to live. The key being it all based on consent and that's going to be a big part of what the the Liberty philosophy is based on is consent. Meaning you don't do anything to me or I don't have to take part of anything that I do not consent to. You cannot force me to take part and you cannot compel me to do something for you. It's gotta be my own choice to be involved with that. Again, People are going to have a billion different questions. I totally get it. It <laughs> takes a while to absorb all this, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. We're just trying to lay the foundation of this. So, in conclusion, personal liberty means live and let live, mind your own business. And I'm using simple phrases and terms that most people can relate to. I'm not using what I would consider more intellectual. You know, academic term. Yeah, because I don't want to lose people. And honestly, that's just not not how I think. And honestly, you know, it's a little bit late in the day and I've had a long day and I don't want to go down that road. So that's kind of the essence right there. Uh, Yeah, so I guess
2: um, my collectivism definitions or general philosophy is... Humans are social creatures. Um, there's not there's gonna be exceptions, you know, people that like to live out in the woods and and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> but it seems that societies or society as a whole tends to work better overall for way more people. Um, when we work together as a collective. Um and so you wanna ensure people's individual rights. And I do agree with a lot of the liberty aspects of libertarianism, especially with, like, social social things, like you said, your lifestyle, marry who you want, you can, I don't care how many partners you have, like, what orientations, you know, drugs, whatever, as long as, again, while you're doing that, you don't harm the people, because the harm is the issue, not the drugs themselves specifically. But... Nobody actually has a choice when they're born, who they're born to, where they're born. There was no consent to becoming alive. And you can't change that, who your parents are, your socioeconomic status, where, what time you were born in, 1500s, 2000 BC, tomorrow. I mean, obviously we, we can't choose to be born that we are already born. But like, there's no like, Hey, this plot of my existence sucks. Let me change it. Like that as far as when you're born, who you're born to. And so I think that for the luck aspect of life and the human condition, um being a collective and reducing harm for people that had crappy luck of the draw genetically, et cetera, all that stuff. Um we should set up society to help them reach this a certain floor. And so a lot of the collectivism ideas that I've had and that I've kind of come to uh, portray as you know, my philosophy of life and setting up societies just in general would be create a floor essentially of where everyone basically cannot fall below and then everything above that is on your own. And so you can't control if you were born to Bill Gates. You can't control if you were born to, unfortunately, a person that was addicted to drugs and lives in an area where there's almost 0% chance of getting out statistically. And people make it out of that. But we don't do a great job societally of helping people that happen to be born in, in those areas of anywhere in the world. Some societies, some countries, I think, are better than others. But as a general whole, I think we should take all the resources and all the technological buildups and everything that has come from the past and that humans have built by working together, and use those to help the least fortunate who were given the unfortunate lottery of certain genetics, certain places they were they were born. I think you're always going to have um levels of stuff you're gonna have people that are gonna be wealthier than others people and some people don't define their success as their wealth great they can define it however they want but you generally need food clothing shelter and that's like about it yeah you know with that you can <laughs> buy however many guitars you want <laughs> but essentially like food clothing shelter and I would put education in there just because now I kind of need it. Like those things kind of change, but like food, shelter, um, and clothing—more uh, like like the basic parts of Maslow's hierarchy. Um, what about psychology? Blood I mean, I would provide it now. It's, it's you kind of have to have it. I mean, to be
1: honest, a, there's you, everything a, There's a certain, is, here, certain Brian, I I don't no, know if no, I, I know, can. I, know,
0: I, know. I don't know if I can hear you as well right now, Brian. Are you are you talking in your AirPods? Can you, can you hear me okay? Randall, can you hear him pretty well? I mean, yeah, I was say exactly I can hear him. Okay, I'll keep quiet. If
1: you need me to switch out of my headphones? I will. Just let me know. Um,
0: if Randall can hear you, then that's really what matters. Okay.
1: So I heard a lot of what you said in there. And to be honest with you, that's a lot of what intrigued me about liberty, because even as a conservative, I wrestled with those ideas as well. I was a collectivist from a right-wing point of view. Um, I guess the best way that I can respond to that, and by respond, of course, I mean speak to, I would say, when it comes to the idea of how to make society prosper, I think the key factor of what led me to Liberty was understanding that one, and this is, and and sometimes I think I, I'm a little bit when I speak from the perspective of Liberty, especially to somebody else, I have a habit of starting with a worst case scenario because for me, that's where I started from. I always assumed the worst about something and then i tried to build up if that makes any sense i don't try to start with a utopian idea i try to say okay i'm a very cynical person i have questions i want you to answer how society at its worst would function not how you i visualize the ideal version of your society we all have you know star trek in (laughs) but let's just face it that's not where Sorry, my kid's looking at me. He's like, he found the cookies and now he wants cookies. Um, so, we're all thinking Star Trek, but let's be honest with you, we're not near Star Trek, but the idealism is there. So, what I would say is this when it comes to how do you get a prosperous society, I think we can have better education, better healthcare, better commerce, but we do so in a free market approach where people are acting in their own self-interest and the reason why I say that matters is because not everybody wants exactly the same thing and that's kind of my one of my bigger concerns with collectivism and I'm going to try to use as fair language as possible because I definitely don't want this being antagonistic to use that phrase again probably for a billion time and um, I would say that even between the three of us, as much as we might have in common, we still have different goals and different ideas of what we want in there And there's gonna be some things that, you know, Kelly really values and places as a premium in life, whether it's jujitsu, um, you know, making money within sales, um, his kids, um, you, I don't know what your hobbies or your interests are. I know mine, you know, education as well, along with, you know, healthcare. Healthcare is a big aspect of, my, you know, my family's life and other things. I don't think we have to pick and choose. I just think it's how we go about it. And I definitely believe that there is, in a diverse society, or at least when you have population, large populations, Not everybody's going to want exactly the same thing. Some people are going to choose a very simple life where they really want nothing more than to go do their job, go home, drink a beer, watch TV. That's the extent of their involvement in life for whatever reason, right or wrong. Then you're going to have some people who are very ambitious. They want to be involved. They want to be connected. They like to network. They like to bring people together. They like to organize projects. They want to help you know, advance big ideas to help large amounts of people. So the the key difference there is acting in self-interest. What do you want in society and what are you willing to do and contribute to make that happen? The fundamental misunderstanding most people have when it comes to libertarianism, personal liberty, is the idea we're all a bunch of selfish assholes who only want to do what's right for us and nobody else. I'm here to tell you libertarians care as much about their friends, family and neighbors as anybody else. Generally speaking, we're not cold hearted assholes. We just have a different approach of how we want to accomplish that. We would love Star Trek.
0: Just as much as you guys. I like that you what didn't you didn't claim that we, we care more. Oh, that's that's good, right? No, not at all. We're in the same boat. We just have a different
1: approach. Like when it comes to healthcare, education, roads, infrastructure, we want all that stuff. We just have a different approach of how we want to get there. Why? Because different people are going to have different things that they want to invest their common money and, you know, efforts into. It doesn't mean that we're not going to... So I guess the best way to put it at this point is when people have buy-in, when people have desire, they're going to do things that help contribute to an outcome. If somebody doesn't think an effort is worth it, so like for instance when you were young and growing up and your mom made you clean your room you didn't want to do it right so generally speaking you struggled to do it it took you a long time you didn't do a very good job you weren't paying attention to detail you were moving along real slow just kind of doing the minimum to get by, right because you didn't want to do it you were perfectly happy with a messy room the only reason why you were making any effort is because your mom was making you do it well, it's very similar in society If someone Makes you do something, if someone makes you contribute, you're going to fight it every inch of the way. You don't want to do it. You're just going to do what it takes to stay out of trouble, but you're not exactly doing anything extra to help a better result. Whereas in a free society, say for instance, we're discussing education and your expertise is in teaching. You're going to be involved in those kinds of projects and those kinds of efforts because that's your background, that's your expertise. And you can volunteer your time and effort to help progress that along. Medical is the same way. Here's the caveat. Generally speaking, it works through free markets. Economics is kind of the binder of all of society. Meaning, the opposite of collectivism is for liberty is a free market approach. Meaning central planning is generally how a collective society runs central planning is where you have bureaucrats and elected officials who are dictating for the society as a whole how things will be done regulations laws um and this falls in like all the bureaucracies that oversee education infrastructure you know housing things of that nature these are people who make the decisions for everybody else to carry out. Whereas in a free market, people are free to choose to what degree they're going to be involved and in, how they're going to get involved. And they're allowed to use their expertise to the best of their ability to make those choices to help make that happen. Does that make sense? Are you following? on so Yeah. The- That's our approach is allowing people to have buy-in to make that happen as opposed to being told to do it. Now, here's another common argument that I wanted to quickly address up front. Well, if you don't have to do something, what's the incentive for you to do something? Cool. I have kids. It's in my best interest to make sure that they grow up into a society that is beneficial to them. If I value my kids, if I love my kids, I'm going to do what I can within my resources and power to make that work. Now, my talents and abilities are going to be different than everybody else's, but we all contribute in our own way to make that happen. So there is incentive, it's just not in this. And I would even argue there might be a little projection on some people's part. It's either projection that they are selfish themselves or. There's a little bit of, um, how should we say, a desire to control. They are concerned things aren't going to manifest in the way that they see it. So therefore, they want to have the control to make it happen the way they desire to see it happen. I'm not even necessarily saying that in a sort of uh, derogatory manner. I'm not trying to say that they're evil, but they might say, well, I'm concerned that we're not going to do education right unless I'm in charge. So, therefore, I can't trust other people to do that. Does that kind of make sense? Or <laughs> a, I'm trying to address the the generally prevailing concerns of why people don't trust other people because typically they have their own vision of what they want to happen. <clears throat> yeah, most other,
2: most other people are stupid. So, <laughs> it would be bad to put them in charge of stuff. Um, so,
1: <laughs> well, <it's, clears throat> you make a really brilliant point most people are stupid well I would say this meritocracy really counts generally speaking in a free market let's say a jiu-jitsu you can't really buy yourself a black belt I mean you probably could you could show up in the and you and you and you, can, and you, can, you, can, you know you could go to the coach and say hey man I'm going to give you five hundred thousand dollars to make me a black belt cool. <laughs> and then the, and then the coach goes on one condition. When you roll out there, you will roll with the black belts. Got it? Cool. And then he goes out there, he rolls with the black belts, and he gets exposed within about 30 seconds. The same thing would happen in society. People who don't have the skill set to make something happen, well, they're they're automatically going to weed themselves out. So it's only going to be the people with the skill sets and the resources that will actually have the effect to advance ideas that matter to them. So, people who have no understanding of education won't last in any projects relating to education. People who have no understanding of healthcare won't last in any projects relating to healthcare. You see where I'm coming from? That's where meritocracy yeah. matters. Instead of Enough. somebody being a bureaucrat or an elected official appointed by somebody or elected. Making decisions that they really have no personal expertise to be making.
2: And I get my first stripe on black belt in August. If anybody wants to buy a black belt for five hundred thousand dollars, I am fully on board. <laughs> hit me up. Just totally as long exactly. as they roll,
1: as long as they roll with the black belts, right?
2: Sure. You give me five hundred thousand dollars, you can roll with whatever belt you want. No, but you understand <laughs> the point that I am making, right? <laughs> I do. No, I do. Um, so you said that one of the things, because I'm I'm curious your take on this, because <clears throat> I can make definitely the if you want, I can make the the case on the the other side. But you said you look at stuff for the like worst case scenario and start up. What do you envision the worst case scenario for libertarianism in general, or just like the your version there's, of the there's what you're kind
1: of talking about? There's definitely going to be room for suffering. In a free market, you're not going to have state benefits. So someone who falls on hard times, definitely not of their own fault. Say, for instance, they get fired, they have no family, they have no friends. They're going to be out on the street for a period of time. Um, However, one could argue in reverse, that's why you are incentivized to be a fruitful member of society. Don't be an island unto oh. yourself. Make and friends. Make friends. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like uh, be- good behavior is incentivized in a free society. Meaning in a society where you can count on a paycheck every month, you don't have to worry about making good choices because you know that the state is going to bail you out by providing you with a roof over your head Some grocery money and the very basic needs to just survive, if you so choose. So you don't have to worry about if you're like a bottom feeder type person who really has no ambition in life other than just to just get by. You can do so in a collectivist society that allows for state benefits. Whereas in a free society, well, you can make bad choices and sleep in and get drunk and miss work and you know become a complete bum but then you're gonna pay the penalty for it. The flip side is also true. Some people who are innocent can lose their jobs, um, they could lose their spouse, something could happen to them that is very catastrophic that they won't have that immediate safety net guaranteed to fall on. However, I would argue that the other bet what SF3 society will have, and, and actually currently does have, you can have charitable organizations. Churches, community groups, these people can be there so that if that does happen to you, you will have resources available to you. And the best part, if they're not being taxed to death like they currently are, they're going to have more resources available to you. So the single mom who just lost her husband and she has no job, churches, community groups will have the resources available to say, hey, we'll take you in. We'll get you set up and get you back on your feet again. So even in a free society, that option would be there. I guess the <clears throat> the
2: thing that's, I guess, tough, hardest for me in the general um, discussion on this to kind of get away, not get away from, but like reconcile that like wouldn't happen. Um, and I guess some of this is more on the, with the anarcho anarcho stuff for lack of government, because I know you said initially you're talking with there's still government kind of thing, but without the monopoly on force and monopoly on courts and things like that, there are humans that are inherently, I don't know about inherently, but there's humans that do
1: horrible things. The Uh, warlord argument. So yes, that was one of my biggest contentiones. what happens, with bad to, people? Yeah. what happens with bad people who want to do bad things here's the cool part of free society no gun laws personal empowerment the right to self-defense people can work together for mutual benefit to protect themselves and others um and again there's a lot of different ways we can approach this whether we're looking for do we wake up one day in and, and where there's no government or are we looking at a current society where we slowly roll back government to a minimalist approach. Either way, the argument is no more gun laws. People are empowered to defend themselves and other people and work together. So therefore, let's just say you decide you're gonna roll up into McDonald's one day and you don't like the way someone looked at you and you're gonna pull out your gun and say, What's up now? You looking at me funny? Well, guess what? Ten other people are gonna pull out their guns and point them right back at you. Why? Because there's no gun laws. Let's say You live in a small community, and you're thinking to yourselves, well, there's no way that these people, you know, can defend themselves. Oh, well, there's a gang that's going to roll into town. Well, in a free society, a small community, they realize, well, maybe we don't have a police department or a National Guard, so we automatically plan for that community by bringing together our able-bodied men and women to prepare for that so that when that gang does roll into town, we have the ability to confront them and push them out. I mean, it makes,
2: yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I figure that was
1: more or less the... And then and the follow-up is going to be, arguments. so everybody starts shooting each other. If there's no gun laws, if there's <laughs> no police, does everybody shoot each other? Well, of course not. Do we do that <laughs> now? Of course not. Because not everybody's a bunch of raging sociopaths and psychopaths. We respect right. each other. We all want to have a, we all want to live a decent life. So then who keeps the bad guys in check? Society does. If you're a troublemaker, you're going to end up shot or, you know, run out of town. You know, if you're the kind of person that can't play nice, like say, for instance, in your dojo, you might occasionally get somebody in there with an attitude, right? I'm just going to assume. It's possible you get somebody in there that comes in there with an attitude. You'll tolerate them for a little bit, but eventually at some point, their peers will call them out, their instructors will call them out, and then eventually the owner will say, get the hell out of here. If you can't play nice, if you can't abide by the rules, we're going to kick you out. Same way with society. If you're the kind of person that doesn't respect other people, whether it's vandalism, trespassing, or literally harming people, like walking around punching people, you're going to get shot, you're going to get your butt kicked, and you're not going to be able to rely on the deference of peaceful people who don't have the means to defend themselves. People will have the means to defend themselves. So here's where I would say, if you know that the likelihood that if you go into someone's neighborhood and try to break into cars and then someone's gonna walk out with a gun and threaten to shoot you, guess what? You're probably not gonna go try to break into people's cars. But current law says you cannot use deadly force if someone tries to break in your vehicle, only if they try to enter your house. So in a free society, You don't do that. Whereas in a collectivist society where they have strict rules of self-defense, you can break into somebody's car and most likely, almost guaranteed, they're not going to do much if they know anything about the law because they know that the law says lethal force is not authorized. Literally, if somebody wanted to within the letter of the law, they can break into my car, look for whatever they want. And the only way I can use lethal force is if I can justifiably claim that they tried to harm me. Right. if all they do is try to steal my... Even if they try to steal my vehicle, I'm not allowed to use the legal mm-hmm. force. But in a free society, people are empowered to defend themselves and their property.
2: And I do agree with some of, uh, you know, a good portion of some of the, like, the property rights and stuff. You know, I... It's tough with the car situation because I was just in the yeah. media example.
1: Yeah, honestly, no, I know. I know. And I would even argue that when you're looking at a truly free society, whether it's a very minimalist government, like meaning constitutional, you know, 1789 levels, or even in Kathustan, which is no government, you're going to have different communities with different norms and values, kind of like what the founders envisioned with the states under the, you know, the 10th Amendment, the enumerate of the powers, meaning, hey, California does things one way, Texas does things another, and Washington does things differently, and then so does Iowa. We all have this kind of different approaches to community and culture. So there's always going to be some communities that do things differently. And I would even argue that in a truly free society, some communities are engaging in bad behavior that other people wouldn't tolerate but they will be left alone because that's that community and we don't exactly want to start a war just because they do things that we disagree with. Now it could potentially come to that, but generally speaking that's how it could be. Right. You could have some communities that are super religious and fundamental and you could have some communities that are super sort of uh, progressive and pretty much right. everything that conservatives talk about they hate that will flourish in mm-hmm. those communities. So, Freedom comes with a lot of choices. Meaning, I like—I actually say that uh, Scripture is very liberty-oriented because it demonstrates how God allows people who reject Him to choose to live life the way that they want to. So, there's numerous uh, throughout the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, references to God leaving people to live their sinful lives apart from God's people. And I think society can be the same way. And I think, if anything, that actually benefits everybody because you can see how well things work in communities where they do things one way versus another. No different than in a free market. How does Taco Bell run their operation versus Burger King? Oh, wow. They pay their people really well. They have a really good work environment and they treat their customers well and their product is fresh and fantastic. That's where I want to go. Whereas over here, you know, they got a C- minus rating. Um, people are standing around picking their nails, you know, it's really stinky, you know, you can tell that the employees don't really care about their jobs, where are you going to go? It's your choice. A Free Society, competing communities can be the same way.
2: And that <clears throat> that makes sense, uh, you know. The other, you know, with the, the economic portion and like, you know, businesses and setting up who is um, who's experts, who, is, who should you trust, things like that.
1: The, and that's where the guess, meritocracy will prevail because uh, say, for instance, you could have a community <laughs> where let's say notice breaks out. On community A, they have actual educated doctors who genuinely care about the health and the welfare of their people and they take a very prudent approach to how they handle a viral outbreak whereas in community b you have basically a bunch of witch doctors and you know people who just kind of got into some really strange kind of spiritual kind of medicine that it's not there's no science to it whatsoever it's all superstition and whoever they go to for their health They don't obviously have any answers. And so a lot of these people are going to continue to get sick and even die. And people will realize and they'll compare the two and they'll realize, okay, maybe it's good to have people who are educated and desire a good outcome for their people versus people who desire superstition and don't care about science whatsoever. Don't let the outcomes speak for themselves.
2: Yeah, I guess, I, you know, Big thing was that is having seen how a lot of companies and just people, people in general, with charlatans and and whatnot, were able to sell themselves as potential experts or this thing that you know how the market isn't always it seems very quick in rooting this stuff out, and so how happened. many people. I mean, both aren't necessarily quick in the sense that it's found out in a day
1: or something How like quick, that. Right. You know, and I'm not trying to be confrontational. I'm just asking a very pointed question for a very particular reason. How quick do you want it to be? I mean that I would want it as quick as possible. Um oh, yeah. but so so I guess the so I guess my argument would be is it's a rel- it's a relative measure, correct? Yeah. So you because it depends on what it's.
2: It would depend on the. I think the uh, sector of the market as well. If you make TVs that suck,
1: like nobody, yeah, that harmed
2: because your TVs suck. But if you suck at building houses, and you build five thousand before people figure out they suck, I mean, you could kill a lot of people.
1: So. The concern of well-being for others, buyer beware. How does a free market account for people who are acting in bad faith for fraudulent uh, products, whether it's medicine, construction, whatever? So let's put it this way. Um, If you're a food vendor and you don't take health precautions and you sell people contaminated food, people are eventually going to get sick people are going to realize that it's you and they're going to stop buying from you. You're going to go out of business. It's kind of like, um, the old adage that drug dealers don't give away their drugs and they certainly don't want to harm their customers because they want to continue to make money. So the fear mongering that goes on with a lot of people about drugs is like, well, you're going to buy something that's going to kill you. Well, if a drug dealer wants to continue to make money, he's going to give you something that he thinks is safe, that you're going to continue to buy from him. Well, the same thing in the market. If people want you to buy their food, their uh, medicine, if they want you to, if they want you to buy their housing, they're going to have to sell a quality product. Now, what is the definition of quality and what is acceptable? Some people could argue, well, I don't care about anything super fancy. I'm willing to take the chance knowing that I'm buying something very cheap. Now, you may suffer the consequences of that choice, but that is still gonna be your choice. Now, over time, if someone is lying about the quantity, say that they're saying that they built the house to standards, or say they uh, created this medicine with proper testing. Well, eventually, as time goes, there people will come up with means to test and to verify claims. Even with it, so as a quick example, electronics. There is a company or a group called CNET. They do all kinds of testing for everything from cables to tvs to um, headphones to home um, theater systems all kinds of consumer electronics and they have really good people on their staff that that's what they do they provide a third-party service to review and analyze and test consumer electronics well shit you can do the same thing for kinds and stuff like that and they do now at the top of my head i'm not going to go through everybody that does that but whether mm-hmm. it's housing realtors You know, any kind of contractors, there's references you can get to determine whether somebody is selling the quality that they are claiming to have. Um, I would even argue the flip side, there's a flip side concern. Well, we want to, we want to have regulators to, to make sure that, you know, we're getting proper medicine and proper food and that nobody's lying to us or misleading us excuse me, have you never heard of bribery and corruption? Have you never heard of the fact that, you know, you can pay off the regulator to give you a pass on whatever product it is that you're trying to sell that isn't living up to the uh, claims that you're making about your product? Uh, Has anyone heard of the COVID vaccine that does not prevent you from getting COVID? And it may not actually prevent you from dying from getting COVID either? but apparently that's what it was marketed as from our own government so i think this idea that only government can regulate quality is at best foolish and at worst ridiculous and i only say that because it's an assumption born from childhood whether you're in school and growing up in society Where we all grew up believing that the government was this benevolent construct that looked out for the best interest of the people. Because that was effectively what it was intended for. Uh, uh, If we're being being honest, even from the earliest of times, from like, you know, shortly after the government came to be, corruption has always existed. And confidence has always been there. The intention was good, but the follow through was absolute garbage. So, I would argue you don't need the government for safeguards. You just need people with the ability and the know how to be in a position to be able to provide that. And that's where the market comes into place. So, again, the mar- the people within a free society want all the same things as the people in the collective society. They just have a different approach on how to get there.
2: Oh, and I, yeah, I agree with that. That's what, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't think the majority of people are evil or, you know, want to, like, the people on the other side or believe different things than me. I don't think they're inherently awful or anything like that. You know, we just have different ways, you know, potentially whatever it is, different ways to skin a cat
1: yeah and i think for me where it comes down to if i were to get into the true fundamental difference is consent meaning in a society of say a million people there might be a large group of people that agree on a lot of things there's a lot of overlap, but the difference is when you have central planning meaning you have a bureaucracy you have a government decisions for the many are made by the few and the many don't really have a whole lot of choice in terms of their involvement they have to pay the taxes and they have to abide by the rules um i have a problem with that because i have a problem with this idea that i have to be compelled to play by the rules dictated by somebody else who may not share my values and the best way that i can say argue that for people who might have concerns with that imagine the very people that you hate the most have the majority of the collective. The people that you hate the most are in charge of everything. Do you think they're going to have your best interest at heart? Let's roll back to say the eight, you know, the 1980s when generally speaking, conservatism was the prevailing philosophy of society. Gays were not treated very well. Um, I would say on an individual basis, You could be okay with somebody, but discrimination was openly tolerated. Mm -hmm. Um, Police police brutality was not even a thing. Most people thought that all cops were heroes. Um, All of this was because the government was largely run by people of a certain philosophy who believed in a certain thing who placed an emphasis on what mattered to them and ignored everything else. So if you think a collectivist society where the few govern the many, just imagine what that society would look like when the, the most popular point of view becomes the point of view that you hate the most. And what is your solution for that? You're the kind of guy that believes in progressive values. Now, literally Hitler... Captain Orange is in charge. All his minions are in all the bureaucracies. They're running things. So this idea of a government run for the betterment of the people is now in the hands of the people that you hate the most. How do you solve that riddle?
2: So obviously it it depends how far into that it it gets, I guess. Um, Because
1: how do you prevent that from happening? Better yet, how do you prevent the people you hate from being in charge of your life?
2: you would have to um, talk to and persuade more people to become part of your do faction, you
1: wanna... and <laughs> do you really want? Do you really want to place your fate in that assumption? I mean, you, so
2: the way I kind of view government is you either have a government that is run by the views of the majority or the views of the minority. They're, right. Like, so, so those are the two options.
1: Generally speaking, the assumption is most people are good and share similar values. The problem is that's not entirely true. And in fact, it's very popular. It's very possible that a very radical point of view can sweep society and get them caught up, as did in Germany mm-hmm. in the 1930s. Well, we're no different, you know. Do you think 10 years ago, prior to 2015, anybody saw the whole MAGA movement coming into fruition? First, not. Um, mm-hmm. That's the problem with collectivism because they did not envision super nationalistic right-wing people coming to prominence and possibly even taking over. Well, that's what I submit to you. If you don't like the idea of literally Hitler and his minions having full control of the government, well, this idea of a government by the people sounds really great when it goes in your favor. But when it's against you and, in fact, you're caught under the boot of it, then you have to think, wow, was this such a great idea after all? So,
2: yeah, it's it's all you know. It's a possibility. You know, you can get the majority of people to think terrible things. And I guess what I'm
1: asking you: yes, it's a possibility. I'm asking you to consider the gravity of that scenario. Is that a risk you really want to take? Is it really worth it? Versus, in contrast, a free society where nobody holds such power, even with a society of government, but it's limited government. Nobody has that kind of power. So even if Captain Orange was elected president, just by the sheer limitations of the powers that he doesn't have, even if he wanted to, he can't enact his radical agenda that you agree that you would fear. Does that make more sense to frame it that way? Yeah,
2: but it, it could still happen the other way as well because you have the... You know, your different factions, you have uh, all the different societies set up across the world um, that could grow to be as large. But I would imagine they're probably going to be smaller um, just because as you get more people, the
1: values so in and a, pre- of stuff so in a free stuff. So in a free society, let's just say we're just looking at continental United States. Is it possible, say, wherever you want to say, let's just say Texas. Say there's a radical group in Texas that grows and they've got a couple hundred thousand people and increasing about a million or two people, right? And you're like, holy crap, that's a legitimate threat. Who's going to take on an army of a million people who want to impose their fascistic point of view upon everybody else? Well, last I checked, there's over 300 million people in this entire country they are in Texas. They can't exactly spread out and take over the entire country, right? They're going to be very limited. So, and also we don't, again, you're empowered. You have the means to defend yourself, which means whether it's military weapons, whether it's uh, civil engineering to protect your cities and your communities, you have all types of resources to put the odds in your favor so that you don't have to worry about a radical group of people marching through and taking over other communities people can come together to work for mutual cooperation say hey look there's a bunch of radicals in texas who want to you know bring fascism to the rest of the country how about the rest of us put a stop to this somehow some way if people genuinely believe that that's the better solution for society then that's what they're going to do or they take the opposite view Maybe we want to join in on them, who knows But the point is, is you have options It's not, you know It's not uh, either or
2: Right And, you know I, the, I would say it's, You know, at some point, it is. it would be difficult To, tr- not trust, but like um, Having traveled across the country Seen a bunch of Seen people in general Seen a lot of situations and scenarios where people assume they want to do good and that they would stand up and defend things and they would do, thing, uh, you know, the right thing in the general um, idea we have, that, you so know, we you, have... you get a, a group of 100,000 people. Uh, it doesn't have to be that many, obviously, but, you know, you get an actual group that's formed an army. Their point is to take over They've trained for it. They've done all that stuff, and yeah, you go into a situation where everybody potentially has a gun. But generally, unless you're tactically as as trained, it is difficult to to really run that that defense against somebody, you know, against a a a group of people that's trained. Yeah, as an I army it. and I know we're kind of getting into the we, weeds of like you know, a specific scenarios. Like these are all, you these, know what these saying? are all,
1: these, these are all really valid questions and and honestly these are some of the the hardest these are the most pertinent questions I had to wrestle with when I went through this. Um let's take for example we currently have uh LMPD is think roughly 2000 people on a good day. I think they might have been down to 1500 at one point. Um, then you have sheriff's offices, you have national guard. We have problems. Let's just, let's, what I'm trying to get at is we have already demonstrated, we have sufficient people that have been willing to serve for the protection of the community. Correct. So we've already demonstrated that that's a thing um i think some of the times the problems we run into when it comes to these hypothetical scenarios at least in regards to a free society is we cannot we assume the worst in everything without looking at the possibilities of what we already have and how that could even be better so for instance when it comes to community protection, we already know people would do it because we have law enforcement we have you know national guard we have people who served in the military So we know that those types of people exist. It's just a matter of in what form do they serve that role? Is it purely a voluntary basis? Is it a contractual basis? Is it a full-time basis? There's a lot of different ways we can do that and not everybody has to do it the same way. But there are those people. You care about your community. I care about my community. I think Kelly might care about his community. I think he actually cares more about making money but I could be wrong on that. But the point is, is we exist. So we're willing to step up and say, hey, I'm going to do my part to help protect my society. The same thing would happen in this hypothetical scenario.
2: I for the this, last
1: little bit of it. Um, the same thing would happen in the hypothetical scenario. And that would even argue. Oh, oh, oh. If we're in a truly free society, we've already accounted for that. Meaning, okay, we know that we no longer have the quote-unquote police force that we once had but we do have an organization a militia of men and women who are willing to stand and defend our community should we so need that we understand that concept that we're not just standing around staring at each other thinking oh no who will protect us from the madmen that are coming we know how to do that just because we no longer have the traditional state organized law enforcement doesn't mean we don't have protection for society against criminals and people who want to do evil. I can sense. you guys hear me okay or is, there, or is my headphones really cutting out? Do what? Can, can you guys hear me okay still? I, I worry that I might be cutting
2: out. They're cutting in and out a little bit on the
0: I, 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 Take I think we made a lot of good progress. I do think at some point we should make some sort of cl- – start the process of closing statements. Um, I think the same. I'm getting tired. I'm getting bored. What do No, actually, I'm not. I'm not. I, I think you guys are doing a good job. I, I would say that from Kelly's my like... – <laughs> from, from my selfish perspective, I would say Brian <laughs> is doing a good job of articulating – the anarcho-libertarian type stance, and I think Randall's doing a good job of listening and and um, good feedback. No, and and I mean that in a you know in a uh, complimentary way to both of you. I th- I, I do. Um, I I think just having some form of open dialogue and at least being open to kind of toying with each, the the different philosophies. Brian, I think it was a great idea for the the premise of the episode. I like it.
1: Um, the funny thing is, is um, are you guys either of you from Long? I think you are, you said you're from Louisville here. Uh, Kelly, what about you, you? No, Randall, you're in Tennessee, so you're not from Louisville. Well, um, years ago, there was a local website called Louisville Mojo, and we had what was a, called a polyform, which is basically local people discussing politics. And on occasion, we would get together, meet up at a local bar, and we'd just have beers, have wings, and just discuss. All these types of issues. I'm going to tell you right now, it was hilarious how you could be on the internet for days, weeks, months, arguing with people, calling each other names, all kinds of shitty arguments, and you come together, you meet up, you start chatting, and you realize, man, you're not such an asshole after all. And you realize you can actually have a decent conversation, hear each other, talk to each other, go point for point, and then discuss questions understand where each other's coming from, realize things can be done in good faith, and you don't have to really necessarily debate to win. You can actually reason with each other and then better understand where we're coming from. So for instance, I'm not actually against unions. I think organized labor done on a voluntary basis is a fantastic idea and is a very viable market tool. The problem I have is force, meaning when an employer is legally required to recognize that union instead of saying i'll just fire you all and have a new workforce i have a problem with that but in the essence of people just coming together in a bargain i'm all for it
2: i was gonna yeah that was one of the things i was curious about in general was the union i you know because i was like it's people freely coming together, but that that makes sense
1: with the yes. <clears throat> the, the legal requirements to recognize union is the part that it's a deal breaker for uh,
2: that makes sense. Uh, that was a question I I didn't write it down, but I had like from just seeing the stuff on the yeah. the group thing that that was a question I did had because I saw you. I've seen you post, you know, kind of not necessarily anti union yeah. stuff. Like it comes across that way. So I was yeah. going to ask uh, how, like, if they collective, so but yeah, you kind of answered it.
1: I do like to be a little bit of an antagonist troll online the line at times, just for fun. What the, the hell, Brian? Me. What? When you get to know me, you realize I'm just shitting around and being stupid. Yeah. It's not something I is really mean. Um, I will say that I think we can kind of summarize a lot of the questions and concerns kind of come around to how do you address the needs and concerns of society? And sometimes, and especially for me, it's hard to fathom how a free society can do that when you haven't really been exposed to how that works. We know how a government works. We've grown up around a government all our lives, When we have learned it ever since we started school. We understand what the government does, and we realize, oh, it's there, and that's what it's supposed to do. We've never truly seen a free society, so we can't imagine what a free society would do. So there's all kinds of questions and concerns about that, all perfectly valid. The only thing I ask for people to do is yes, you can assume the worst, but ask a faith in good ask a question in good faith, open to the answer and thinking it through instead of outright dismissing it. Which is what I think a lot of people do. They're very quick to dismiss They don't want to hear the answer. They don't want to consider the answer. They just want to assume it's radical, it's stupid, it won't work, instead of giving it the thought that it deserves. Because honestly, you want me, a group of people, who have thought anything through more than most libertarians. Most of us wrestled with it. We fought with it. It took me about a good solid 10 years from the time that I truly entertained the idea of basic liberty to becoming an anarchist or realizing how that works, and I thought it took I thought it was stupid the first time I heard about it. The first time I heard about anarchy, I was like, "This is freaking ridiculous." So then I learned how it works.
0: Randall, do you have any maybe a close any closing words that you would like to say before we start the process of wrapping the episode up? <laughs> um.
2: I mean, I was gonna say one of the things with just kind of the collective stuff, um, you know, one of the one of the things too that I kind of thought about or kinda helped me a little bit get to kind of where where I'm at, I think now in um my ideas of the collective society, you know, harm reduction, things like that was just throughout history and throughout, you know, seeing a bunch of different things that companies or corporations or individual people have done um, <clears throat> that it seems that to me at least at this point um, like I am open to um, changing my view you know having good faith discussions and hearing the the uh, reasonings behind and uh, behind libertarian stuff anarcho-capitalist stuff just any any philosophy I like learning things but from what I've studied and what I've seen in the real world um, through my own experiences, um, experiences, uh, leaving people to be can tend to uh, with, with no government regulations uh, with no harm reduction um, rules and things like that can lead to pretty bad outcomes. And it's generally Steer; those outcomes are disproportionate to the what society generally considers the on the lowest rung of the ladder. Um, not just racial minority type stuff for you know different minority groups. It's generally poor people, people that are generally the poorest in society bear the brunt of the majority of bad faith actors in society. And a lot of the people in those situations are children or people that. Had the bad misfortune of being born into those situations and never had a good shot to get out. And so I feel like having seen different versions of privatized uh, areas of different parts of society not necessarily work and extract a lot, extract wealth and not provide what they said they were going to provide. The government has also done that I do grant that <laughs> but I feel like the the fastest way or the easiest way to change that if it's not working is through voting in democracy versus letting the market play out um in a way with no uh monopoly on force to intervene
0: okay I know that that was responding to um, some of the different, I guess, critiques, would you say, Randall, of of, of, um, of collectivism versus libertarianism? So I don't mean to, I know we are trying, I guess what I'm saying here is we're trying to wrap up the episode. That was a bunch of great stuff. Brian, do you have any type of a abbreviated response to Randall? Yeah. Um, we share the same concerns. I think
1: the difference is, um, view the source of most of those concerns to be the actual government, Um, especially when it comes to corporations taking over and being unaccountable. Um, that's cronyism. That's, you know, businesses giving money to government and government looking the other way or setting up the rules to favor them instead of other people. Um, But without getting too far into the weeds, I'll just say that this was a very good conversation. I think we covered a lot. Um, I definitely appreciate a lot of what he had to say in regards to his concerns. I share those concerns. I think a lot of that can be addressed. Um, I think it's going to be an ongoing conversation. I think we can definitely do this again. I'm down for it. I love it. I think there's a lot to cover because ultimately what it's going to come down to is once you understand how it works, only then can you do a fair side-by-side comparison. But when you're not really sure, um, I can honestly say I think I genuinely feel I understand how collectivism works. Randall, would you say you truly understand how liberty works? There's definitely
2: areas of it that I'm not... Or aware of uh, like the point of view or the ideas behind it, you know. Like, because I haven't had uh, long-standing or um, a lot of discussions to cover. Yeah, so the majority the of
1: areas, kind of thing, okay. you know. I think once we have future discussions, we can. Kind of put a bow on it and then do a fair side by side i think right now we're kind of learning and exploring and i think if we can continue on we can do better by the audience and help hopefully people better understand where i'm coming from because i think most of them probably understand where you're coming. and if i can represent myself well then we can give them a fair a b comparison and move forward I love yeah, it. Uh, oh. The last
2: I say the last thing kind of with what you were talking about with being radical not understanding all the stuff or whatever. I mean, democracy was radical till it was done, you know. Not having kings was radical till it was done. Yeah. You know? So, just because it may be considered radical or it's something that hasn't been done
1: before it doesn't mean it's a
2: bad idea
1: or that it's nuts, you 100%. know. Well, really what it comes down to philosophically is do you agree with it? Do you understand it and do you agree with it? And if you do, then you have something you can move forward.
2: Yeah, and that was, that was going to be kind of the first question I was going to ask. I know Kelly's trying to wrap it up. We're like, screw you. We're going to keep going. <laughs> it is good,
1: actually. Like, it's in, you guys are... Like a... <laughs> <laughs> but... Let's do, do it really quick. At least we'll put, submit your question, and then maybe we can start the next
0: episode based on. Okay, that. yeah. What's the question? And and w- that'll be the tease for the next episode, Randall. And then we'll schedule that tonight.
2: I mean, it, it was going to be like, uh, are we going to kind of look at this from like a high up?
0: You
2: you you said kind of initially of like philosophically. This is what, how it set the society up. What I think would be the absolute best, versus or like compared to when you get down into what has transpired in the past, how I view, or how we both view, what has happened, how it got to where we are today, do we think we could make that philosophical view actually a reality? Does that question kind of make sense? Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I
1: think what you're trying to say is can the philosophy work based on history? Yeah, and kind of in the
2: real world, can it translate um, with how humans have interacted with each other previously?
0: I will say this. We haven't really too... This is just a tease for the next yeah. step. <laughs> this is this is a tease. <laughs> I know, I
1: know. <laughs> no, I would say in a very generous way, that's kind of a loaded question, but I understand where you're talking.
2: When that's why I didn't want it to be a loaded question. I was trying to think of the most succinct way to ask it a short time. Period. But, but Brian,
0: you now know what your assignment is for next, right? What and is it? Th- is that question? You're going to have a thought out answer for specifically that question, right? I mean, honestly, I'm not sure if I'm 100 percent following it. I get where he's coming from. Um, I will
1: just say that it sounds to me like he's asking if I'm following has Liberty ever worked before, which is kind of what it comes down to. Is that kind of a way you, of what you're asking? Have we ever had a free society before?
2: Not as much has it worked before, because because I, I do agree with you, never, like, legitimately tried tried it. There hasn't really been, from my knowledge, a society that's truly tried it. Um, but having, I guess, my one of my concerns or one of my questions, um... Is like with the philosophy of true consent, the non-aggression principle. Could that truly be implemented with how human history has played out? With a, a lot of people who have so come into power, power and become powerful, not abiding by that, basically. Yeah.
1: So, if I want to paraphrase it in my own way, so I understand what that answer is how can liberty work without falling to the worst impulses of society in history that we've seen before in other words Basically. how does a free society not become corrupt and become the worst society but then the inverse is also true what started as the most free society back in 1776 has probably become among the largest and most corrupt governments we've ever seen. <laughs> I'll just so, think, I mean,
2: collectivism yeah. and government has
1: a lot of the same issues. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the biggest governments that we have, we you know, America, very large corrupt governments. <laughs> so, I love it. I love it. Well,
0: guys, we are going to wrap up the episode. Of course, we have Randall Sanders out of Nashville and Brian Fox out of Louisville, Kentucky guys. I appreciate both of you coming on. Um, We're trying to grow this Kelly Patrick Political Talk Facebook group and the the episodes and the engagement for the sake of the political episode. So I appreciate you both being a part of that. Um, And I want to say thank you. And, of course, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Of course, we'll have another episode of the Kelly Patrick Show out soon. Thank you.